This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. In numbers. Pass. Busy show as uh, always, and before we let, uh, before we get right to it, let me just uh, take a moment and give a quick shout out uh, to a big fan of the show over in the United Kingdom. Uh, Craig is uh, in hospital over in Lincoln. Not sure exactly where that is uh, in U- in the UK, but he's in the hospital. And Craig, I just wanted to uh, say that I wish you uh, a very speedy recovery. Thanks for listening and and uh, for your support. And uh, all the best from everyone here at The Conspiracy Show. Uh, our panel tonight, uh, Megan Barth from ReaganBabe.com uh, is going to offer some insights into the horrible, tragic events uh, that unfolded in Charlottesville just over a week ago. Uh, tomorrow, of course, uh, we have a uh, major celestial event, a complete solar eclipse, and uh, science marshal, or science writer... Uh, Marshall Masters will be here to talk about another future celestial event. This one, however, uh, could be somewhat catastrophic. I'm talking about uh, Planet X or Nibiru. Uh, Marshall will be along to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, Our weekly remote viewing experiment, of course, What's in the Box? That's just ahead. Uh, Then, keeping with celestial events, Mitch Batros will be here. Uh, He is from the Science of Cycles. He's been with us before. He's going to talk about the causal effect of cosmic rays on human DNA. He calls it the Sun-Earth connection. Uh, And then in uh, hour two of the program, of course, open lines for the the half hour, uh, followed by Special Air Service Warrant Officer, our former Special Air Service Warrant Officer and anti-terror expert John Geddes uh, will be here to tell us how to survive a terrorist attack or a live shooter uh, incident. Uh, before that, let me quickly introduce the boys in the band on the Flying V Gibson guitar, my technical producer, Ian Robertson, and uh, on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin story producer, Albert Vinzel. Ryan White is off tonight. 
Uh, just ahead of our panel, it's time for our weekly remote viewing experiment where you utilize your remote viewing skills to ascertain what is hidden from view in the uh, cigar box to my left. So uh, a reminder, please submit your answers to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett. Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. You must use the hashtag TCS Remote in order to qualify. All right, remote viewers, here are your coordinates. The object is inside the cigar box to my left, resting on the studio desk here at Zoomerplex, 70 Jefferson Avenue in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And to the remote viewer or viewers who correctly identifies the mystery object... We have some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise for you. And if you're a fan of the show, hey, why not show it off? Visit the online merchandise store at theconspiracyshow.com and get yourself a mug, T-shirt, hoodie, phone case, and help support our work here on The Conspiracy Show at the same time. And remember, tweet your answers to me at Richard Serrett using the hashtag TCSRemote, and good luck. Just over a week ago, we all witnessed a horrible, tragic protest and riot in Charlottesville, Virginia. What originally started out as a protest of the removal of a Robert E. Lee statue and renaming of a park in that community ultimately led to a violent confrontation between a, let's call them for what they are, a band of scum on the one side. We had neo-Nazis and white supremacists and and members of the KKK, the worst of the worst, uh, versus a a coalition of um, anti-racist protesters, members of Black Lives Matter, a group known as Antifa, uh, which bills itself as anti-fascist organi- uh, an anti-fascist organization, um, although they, they have been involved in some violence of their own, that has to be said. But uh, we can't repeat uh, enough that we really have to condemn these losers and clowns, uh, who thankfully are just a, a pimple on, uh, you know, the, the behind of an elephant. They are insignificant uh, and they are without power, thankfully, and influence. But they're out there stirring up trouble. Uh, nonetheless, uh, of course, we had the uh, the horrible uh, incident involving a, a, a young woman who was run over and killed by a neo-Nazi. We had 19 others injured. We had two police officers killed in a, in a helicopter crash related to the protest. Uh, since then, of course, President Trump has been slammed repeatedly for not condemning the neo-Nazis and white supremacists sooner. Quite frankly, I have to say, if we were going to be honest, he should have. He failed in that regard, but later... Uh, he did repeatedly condemn them, but again, the, the nation is not just looking for um, – what, what the nation is looking for is someone to bring them together, and uh, he needs to work on that. Let's be clear. The question now is uh, how does the United States recover what, it, what appears to be a complete breakdown in civil discourse? We are teetering on the edge, I think, down there. And cooler heads have to prevail. We need to find ways to, to bring this country together, to the United States together again. We have bands of protesters now running around the country, defacing public property, tearing down statues and vestiges of the Civil War. Um, we also have to be sensitive to uh, those who continue to, to see these uh, monuments as a, uh, uh, as a vestige of a, of a horrible and ugly past for them. So what is needed now, obviously, is to get back to a civil discourse. Both sides need to learn how to talk to each other once again. Here to discuss is Megan Barth, founder and proprietor of ReaganBabe.com. 
She's a nationally recognized political commentator. Always a delight to have Megan on the program. How are you, Megan? Hey, Richard. Thank you so much. Good to be back. Uh, one of the before we get to you know how how uh, um, what America needs to do. Uh, to get talking again and to get civil again. Interesting uh, uh, that um, it's coming out now that uh, Governor McAuliffe in Virginia had called um, or declared a, a state of emergency, and uh, this actually happened before the protest even began. What's what's going on there? Yeah, and you know, I'm glad you bring that up, and, and that's something that I've been wanting to talk about. And I was off last week. I had eye surgery. And so I was not really able to follow the news, read the news. And the first time I turned on the news was Saturday. And at the top of the news, it says Governor Terry McCall calls state of emergency. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, and I can't really see all that well, obviously. But I'm thinking, okay, well, obviously there's something, you know, going on. But the police are going to take care of it. And then on Sunday, when I turn the news back on again, I see that all hell's broken loose. And so there's a chain of events that the press refuses to cover. And they're so quick to lay blame on President Trump for everything. For, for everything. Right. And but, so, and I, and I, when Terry McCall declares a state of emergency, there's certain actions that have to be followed according to protocol and state regulations and law. And for, so why would you have the police stand down if you had two opposing groups that were going to come together, no one, I think, would have known about this protest against the, the tearing down of the Robert, um, uh, excuse me, the General Lee statue until Terry McAuliffe gave it national attention by declaring a state of emergency. And, and, w- well, and can you, you, you say with great certainty that the, in terms of the timing, that the, yeah. the, the, the call for the... For, and, and normally when one is calling a state of emergency, you're asking for more resources. Uh, right. and, and if that were the case, then why weren't those resources deployed? Because as you say, it, it appeared to many, on both the right and the left, that the police were were basically called back and and in some instances it appeared the police stood by, according to the ACLU yes. which is not a conservative organization by any stretch of the imagination reported live and was tweeting that it looked as though the police did nothing to to stop the violence um, you know, and f- and the further there's a thing about permits and in Canada is very different you guys don't have a first amendment and so many Canadians don't understand that there necessarily was never anything called hate speech in America until the liberals created that, that, mod, that, that, that saying. And it was basically anything they disagreed with was hateful. Right. That's the problem it, it, with hate speech. I mean, it has correct. no basis in the law. It's a very nebulous right. term. Uh, and I agree, it is problematic uh, uh, in the United States, this First Amendment. It's, you know, it, you're either all in, you have to be all in. Um, you, you do. Yes. Because, I mean, who determines what is hate speech? Yes, we understand that Nazis are hateful. Yes, we don't agree with Nazis. But Nazis have been marching the streets for as long as the communists have been mar- marching our streets. And when you look at Antifa, they declare themselves to be an anarcho-communist movement that is very, very, very well-funded and global. So I want to know who's funding Antifa. And when we follow the money and we look at those that are protesting others, declaring hate speech, and that they have a right through violence 
to silence others that they disagree with. Trump supporters had been assaulted in our country for months before the press gave it any attention. We had people bloodied on the streets in Berkeley. We had a man that was sent to the hospital with a bike lock that was, like, literally used against his head and opened his head and sent to the hospital. Bags of rocks. A woman assaulted with eggs and spit in San Jose. And And the press did nothing. This is exactly the problem now because we have... One group trying to control the narrative and what's happening, and, and I, I, I'm committed to trying to walk this thing back from the brink because, listen, I have to admit personally I've allowed politics to take up too much emotional space in my life. I think many of us are uh, um, guilty of that. But what is happening now is you have one band that is, that is labeling all you know, conservatives and Republicans. They're all Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, although a conservative could, cannot be a fascist. I mean, they're just diametrically opposed. However, um, and, and, and I think we have to admit, yes, I think the president dropped the ball. He should, have, he should have spoke quicker, although there's a double standard. Other presidents maybe sat on the fence and waited for the dust to clear before they made any announcements. However, I think we need to come out and say the president should have uh, spoke uh, quicker in condemning the, uh, the scum uh, the neo-Nazis and the, uh, the the white supremacists. But the question now remains, how do we walk this back from, from the edge? How do we ret- return, is it even possible, uh, to some sort of civil discourse? How do we learn to talk to each other again? I mean the right and the left. I think the exposure of the violent left is needed. And I think that through these actions, President Trump actually exposed the violent left. And how he exposed them was to get the press to talk about it. The okay. violent left is a very well-funded group, and uh, the, the more exposure that it gets, the better. All right. So uh, you know, I, I looked at the Tea Party movement, and I was actually a very active participant. And Andrew Breitbart, my Tea Party, was one of the first he ever spoke at. And um, we were called Nazis then. Yeah, that has to stop. That has to stop. And, and, and so when you, when you label anyone that disagrees with you as a Nazi, or if you compare someone to Hitler, and you do so time and time again, you end up with people that want to you know, assassinate 20 Republican congressmen in the middle of Virginia. This is the big threat. Because police is still in recovery. When you make someone less than human, you justify in many people's minds violence. And that's what's happening. That has to stop. But I think both sides need to take a breath and we need to learn how to talk to each other again. I'm not sure how we do that. We're not going to solve it now. Megan Barth, always a pleasure. ReaganBabe.com. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. Talk again soon. All right. When we come back, something wicked this way comes. Planet X, perhaps? And when? Stay tuned. The Conspiracy Show returns right after this. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind. On The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The results of our weekly remote viewing experiment coming up just past the uh, bottom of the hour. The big reveal uh, for what's in the box. Don't forget to use the hashtag TCS Remote and uh, send your 
answers or tweet your answers to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett. Planet X, or Nibiru, is uh, reportedly a huge planet with a vast orbit that will supposedly supposedly one day, uh, perhaps in the very near future, pass so close to Earth that its gravitational pull uh, would wreak havoc on our planet, triggering earthquakes and other catastrophic events. And the idea, the whole idea of of, uh, Planet X or Nibiru really gained traction back in uh, 1976 when author Zechariah Sitchin claimed that two ancient Middle Eastern cultures, the Babylonians and the Sumerians, uh, told of a giant planet, Nibiru, that orbited the sun every 3,600 years. And then, recently... You may have heard him on Coast to Coast. Christian numerologist David Mead uh, said he has discovered a date marker that reveals when Planet X and the reported resulting apocalypse is coming. Mr. Mead claimed to match the positions of celestial bodies with Bible verses and worked out when Planet X would cause the end of the world as September the 23rd. Here to discuss is Marshall Masters, a former CNN Science Features news producer, freelance writer, television analyst, and the publisher of you, um, well, is it Y-O-W-U-S-A, YowUSA.com. Uh, since 1999, he's been researching earth changes and Nibiru flyby-related topics, including sustainable survival communities, catastrophic crop circles, impact events, and future technologies. Like many others, Marshall sees a dark cloud coming. He's the author of Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. Marshall Masters, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Let me go back to that website. I want to get that right. Um, how do you... Uh, Mar- just use marshallmasters.com. All right. <laughs> when I started this years ago, it was an old domain name that I had, and it was like, it ain't broke, don't fix it, and I used it. And everyone just gets tongue-tied. It's yowza, dot <laughs> com. but just marshallmasters.com work fine. All right. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, now, there's some, I think, some misinformation or some uh, confusion about the nature of what this celestial body, Planet X, is. Some say it's actually a sun that's dragging other planets and other mm-hmm. celestial bodies along with it, rather than it being an actual planet. So just clarify, what is Planet X or Nibiru? Planet X is a mini constellation. By the way, I really liked your intro. Uh, You've been researching this. And we live in a binary system. Now, that's common to 90% or more of all the solar systems in our galaxy is that they have multiple suns. Our sun's smaller twin is a brown dwarf. They're very difficult to see in visible light spectrum until they're very close in. They're about twice the size of Jupiter and less than 1% the mass of our own sun. And this is this second sun is called Nemesis. And I remember the whole talk about Nemesis when I was in high school. It was a huge topic back then. And this whole conversation, even Carl Sagan was part of this possibility that we're in a binary system. Now, Nemesis has planets and moons in orbit around it, and it is in orbit around our sun. Presently, we're tracking it. It is behind the sun, and uh, what we're going to be seeing will be the outermost planets in that system, the uh, three major planets outside 
from Nemesis are Helion, which is a small gas planet. Then there's a rocky planet, Arboda. And then the third one is Helion, or excuse me, Nibiru. And that's the one that Zachariah Sitchin was talking about. Nibiru translates to the planet of crossing. Now, it has a lot of different names. And Planet X is actually a coin that was termed by American astronomer Percival Lowell, who founded the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, to find Planet X. In other words, Neptune's perturber. Something was, they knew it was out there because it was making perturbations in the orbit of Neptune. And when Tombaugh discovered Pluto in 1930, they thought they had found it. But as it turns out, after the discovery of Charon, the moon of Pluto, that Pluto's pretty small. It's only about 60% the size of our own moon, so it doesn't have the mass to be a perturber. Now, we've been tracking it, and um, my first observation series was in 2013. We were tracking it from Turrialba in Central America, and it was showing up. It was pretty small at the time. Then over the years, we just started getting more observations, and now we're getting quite a few. The ones that I like, the ones I feature on my site, are at altitude because they are above the chemtrail layer, which is very important. The geoengineering that they're doing to the planet really makes it difficult to observe the sky. But also you have a much better horizon, and uh, when people are shooting through the passenger windows of an aircraft, they're shooting through plexiglass, which is optically much better than regular glass. So, so are, it are, works well. are amateur astronomers, uh, Marshall, seeing the approach of um, you know the, the sun's twin and the constellation that is dragging with it? Because uh, you know we're told, obviously, from you know the official sources, NASA and so forth, that this is just hokum. But I mean, are and there was a, a reported death list of of. Uh, uh, amateur astronomers who were trying to, you know, point that this this out and this was coming and they've seen it. Uh, I mean, who are we to believe? Well, there's a lot of suppression. There are there was a group, Skyview team, uh, that was doing observations, and they were shut down. They get infiltrated by disinformation operatives. There's a lot of suppression on this. Now, astronomers are trying to talk about it. The first astronomer was Carlos Muñoz Ferrada, a Chilean astronomer, and in 1940, he announced the existence of what he called a black star, which is what we now refer to as a brown dwarf, and Hercolibus, which was the Atlantean name for what we call Planet X today. And then there was another astronomer, uh, Robert H. Harrington. Uh, he was the chief naval observatory astronomer in Washington. He had a special telescope constructed for a Planet X sky survey, sent it down to a, an observatory that's operated by our government in New Zealand. Yes, the I remember that. The surveys were done, and then the films were returned to NASA and immediately buried. And what happened to Harrington? What happened to Harrington? Well, I think there are a lot of people who believe Harrington was assassinated because of the work he was doing on Planet X. He had written a brilliant white paper on it. But the problem was that he gave an interview to Zachariah Sitchin in a documentary called Why We Are Alone. 
and they were actually videographed there in his office in Washington. And in that, he was showing what he believed to be the elliptical orbit of Planet X, and also he did he crossed the line. He did the one thing you don't do as an astronomer. You do not acknowledge the possibility of sentient life on another object in our solar system other than let me just uh, remind listeners, Marshall Masters is with us, former CNN Science Features uh, news producer and the author of Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. Uh, so, uh, Marshall, you're convinced that it is headed this way, um, just because we're tight for time. Uh, let me go back to um, the, the um, prediction made by the, um, the Christian numerologist, um, Mr. Mead, who, who says that it's coming in September. Is that a possibility? Later this year is consistent with what whistleblowers are talking about. Robert Dean, uh, retired military whistleblower, he's read the files when he was in top security. Uh, he said 2017, take it to the bank. And then uh, Major Ed Dames, the remote viewer, again with security clearances, has remote viewed it. And according to Ed, last August, uh, he said that in November of this year, it'll look as large as the moon in the sky. And talk to me so about what, I mean, what's going to do the damage? Is it, is it the, 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 the brown dwarf, the sun's twin, or is it going mm-hmm. to be Nibiru? What's going to cause the, the, the gravitational pull that'll cause the damage? What we're going to have is a series of events leading up. First off, we're going to have impact events because this is, well, basically, it has a bow wave. It's pushing things out of the way, and it's coming towards us. We know this because we're tracking fireballs, and since December 21, 2012, the number of fireballs that are being reported is just astronomical, and it, the trend keeps upticking. Same thing with earthquakes of all magnitude. Uh, then what we're going to have is a lot of bad solar weather. Now, what has been happening is our sun has been reacting to Nemesis for some time. And the result of that has been this continual uptick in solar luminosity. And that is what is principally causing our weather weirding, global warming, whatever you want to call it. It is why the chemtrail sprays are being put up there, is to basically start reflecting those photons back out into space. Okay, so, so when it comes swinging by, what's, mm-hmm. you know, is this, a, is this a planet killer? I mean, uh, it's not, no, we will survive this. It is going to be a very bad flyby because it's, it's going to arc over the sun. Now, nothing's going to hit us. Anybody that tells you Planet X is going to hit Earth is a mindless twit or paid disinformation operative, to be blunt. It is going to pass overhead, and the Hopi described that with blue kachina, red kachina, which is actually Doppler shift. As it comes towards us, it's going to be blue because there's blue shift, compression of the light waves. Then once it passes overhead and where it's going to dip down between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter, then it red shifts because then it's going away from us. We'll survive, but there will be catastrophic consequences, I'm guessing. They're going to be. When it, when it gets down to the ecliptic, we're going to, then the risks that we're going to have is a pole shift, and uh, that would be similar to Noah's flood was a pole shift event. 
And another thing, and Ed Dames talks about this, he calls it the kill shot. And what he sees is a strong, uh, like a lightning stroke uh, bolt coming out of the sun. Well, what he's talking about is a solar sprite or cosmic lightning. And that would be something that is definitely a concern when we're passing between Nemesis and the sun. When we have Nemesis behind us and the sun in front of us, it's like the spark plug in your car. So with a pole, sh with a pole shift, people that would be most vulnerable would be people living on the coasts? Is that, is that fair? Absolutely. All right. How do the rest Absolutely. of us prepare? Well, you want to, as a rule, what I tell people is you want to be 150 miles away from any major body of water, as much elevation as you can get in terms of the terrain, soft, roll, soft earth, rolling hills, a lot of water. If there are nuclear reactors or any kind of nuclear plants nearby, you want to be at least 100 miles downwind or 50 miles upwind. If there is fracking, you want to avoid that as well. This is going to this is going to uh, mean a massive evacuation. I mean, why? If this is if there's no doubt about it, why isn't the government, um, you know, directing people, telling people to prepare? Is it? I mean, is there not going to be an ensuing panic either way? Look, you know, the movie 2012 that was uh, Emmerich gave us the message. I mean, the eye candy was ridiculous. The people having a conversation during a magnitude whatever earthquake, you know, that, that's Hollywood eye candy. But if you look at the subtext of the movie, it explains in precise detail exactly how the ruling class view this and what they're doing. So they're setting themselves up so that they're going to be safe in their bunkers. When you start seeing the tarmac at Denver International, littered like a bad case of the measles with corporate jets, you know, dying time is near. For the people living along the coast, there's a tremendous amount of disinformation because they want them to shelter in place. This is, you know, research the Georgia Guidestones, the first right, indeed. commandment, if you will, of the Guidestones is keep the population under half a billion. Doesn't say how we get there. Marshall, we are out of time, but I, I want to have you back on. Uh, we need to talk further. Marshall Masters, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, marshallmasters.com. When we come back, the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment. Stay with us. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. It is time for the big reveal uh, for our weekly remote viewing experiment, What's in the Box? And uh, just a reminder, uh, for next week... To uh, submit your uh, answers, you must use the Twitter feed at Richard Serrett, and you must use the hashtag TCS Remote. All right, let's uh, go around the horn in studio and um, check in with our rockabilly friend Ian Robertson. What's in the box, Ian? Uh, I'm seeing a bread loaf, but like a small one or a, like a bun. A like small loaf of bread you or get a bun from uh, Swiss Chalet. 
Not, oh, not very precise. That, but. <laughs> very precise. All right. And uh, Albert Vinzel, what's in the box? I, I get something green, like maybe a tennis ball, maybe sports-related. A tennis ball. All right. Or a, a small loaf of bread or a bun from Ian. All right, so let's go to the Twitter feed, Albert, and what are people uh, saying? There's a lot coming in. Kevin says, uh, silver, sharp edge, smooth, round metal, eclipse glasses. Uh, James, it's a pencil holder. Jamie, a frisbee. Scott, I think the biz contains something with jagged edges, a leaf. Leo Bin, a spoon or a fork. Aubrey, a yellow plastic toy car. Uh, Mary Jane, a disc-shaped object. SM, solar eclipse glasses. Again, that, that's coming in quite a lot. Um, Larry, an ocean shell. John Porter, a pair of glasses for viewing the eclipse. There you go. Mm -hmm. uh, Mariah, a, a key. We get that one almost every week, too. Uh, Daniel. Eventually, it will be a key, yes. All right, sorry, Daniel. Uh, Daniel, a glue stick. Uh, Eric, a wallet. Uh, open your third eye. Uh, they have the right name, anyway. Uh, something flat, uh, irregular edges, a puzzle piece, or a leaf. Uh, another double guess. Uh, Alan, a chocolate chip cookie. And then there was mine, a tennis ball. All right. Uh, well... I don't know. I'll let you decide if anyone was close. I don't think we heard anything really close. Someone said something metal, but it's it's a statue, which, uh, of course, statues are uh, in the news these days for all the wrong reasons. But this is a, kind, a tiny uh, Greek a statue. I think it's King Leonidas. Leonidas. I'm pronouncing that wrong, and I'll hear from I hear about it when I get home. But it's you know the Spartan, the great Spartan king. Uh, anyway, that was picked up in the uh, in Greece. One of my little guys. So there you go. Any, I don't think anyone was close, were they? Someone mentioned some something metal and smooth, but no, no. Sorry, I can't sanction that. There you go. So we'll try again next week, and uh, we will. We'll, we'll get um, Doctor Douglas um, Cottrell in and do a refresher course uh, on remote viewing. But you know, recently, uh, last week. We had um, Ryan, our feature producer, guessing um, – he guessed Eclipse glasses and they were a pair of swim goggles, pretty close. And then the week before that, I had a ball-peen hammer in there and Ian said oh, like a, a stick, a wooden uh, – a long piece of wood. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we're hot and sometimes we're not. If only somebody said a little person. A little person. Then they would have gotten the statue. There you go. Yes. All right. Uh, that's always a fun segment. And uh, just a reminder again, if, uh, if you don't happen to win uh, the Conspiracy Show merchandise, then please, if you're a fan of the show, show it off. Visit the uh, merch store at theconspiracyshow.com. And uh, we've got mugs, T-shirts, hoodies, even phone cases for all Androids and, and, uh, and iPhones. All right. And you help support the show at the same time. Just a reminder, coming up at uh, the top of the hour, open lines. And then we're hoping uh, to reach out to – this is an ex-SAS uh, uh, special Air Service uh, Warrant Officer and uh, Sniper Specialist John Geddes, um, the author of, or the co-author, I should say, of Be a Hero, and it's the essential guide to active shooter incidents, basically how to survive a terrorist attack. God forfend uh, that should ever happen to you. 
uh, you know, I remember when sort of the the essential books that should be on every young man's um, bookshelf was like you know the the, uh, the the Boy Scouts book, like the original like 1911 version, uh, and then I used to have a book on uh, I think it was small engine repair, you know, for lawnmowers and so. Now you have to have a how-to guide on how to survive a terrorist attack. That's kind of a sad commentary, isn't it? Uh, when we come back. The Science of Cycles. Mitch Batros returns to the program to talk about how cosmic rays affect human DNA and perhaps human behavior. This will be fascinating. Hope you'll be with us. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. A programming note uh, for next week. Uh, Albert, here, help me out here. What do we have on the show next week? There's a man named Robert Epstein who says Google is evil. They're reading my emails. And, and I can say this for him. He's, he's, he's candid. He's true to his word. He won't reply to Gmail. I, I, had, right. to get him, <laughs> I had to get him through Hotmail. Well, yeah, Google has come under fire for... Um, well, changing their algorithms so only you know articles with a certain political bias come up, and and if you're if you're searching for something and others are buried, uh, for censoring, of course uh, they came under a great deal of fire for for firing uh, that employee uh, John Demore uh, who um, who dared to speak his mind and write a letter on how they might improve their diversity practices, and they they say you have the wrong opinions, you're fired. That's just odious. So uh, yeah, it's very timely. Robert Epstein uh, talking about um, Google and how you know they are they are a utility, they are you know the world's largest disseminator of information. And I'm a and I'm a conservative. I'm leaning in many ways towards libertarianism. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of regulation, but as a utility. Uh, given the the power and the influence they have, I think it's time to step in. And because we cannot trust Google, I'm saying this on, on our, our YouTube stream. We'll see if we're de- <laughs> we're demonetized tomorrow, yeah. but it's time to do something about it. So uh, good good work getting him on, Albert. Alan Park uh, using cannabis to cure cancer. Yes, Alan Park, a comedian, was uh, was a regular um, cast member on uh, Royal Canadian Air Force. He had a, 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 I'm not sure if he's still doing the podcast. I don't think so. Uh, it was Conspiracy Queries, uh, which ran for a while, I think, on Sirius XM as well. Good, good, good program. And he now has a new podcast. Uh, he has been cured, I understand, not once but twice. He had cancer, was not given a good prognosis. I mean, he, it was supposed to be lights out. Uh, he should be dead twice now. And uh, he, um, he said he was cured by cannabis oil. So we're going to get Alan Park on to tell us about that. Our panel, too, I think it's, uh, it's Nelson Thal, our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal, and John Rappaport from No More Fake News. Great show next week. Good job, as always, Albert. Uh, so several months ago, we had Mitch Batros uh, on the program to explain the role of cosmic rays in Earth's climate. 
Um, he's written a book explaining how it is that these cosmic rays and not CO2 from the burning of fossil fuels that's behind climate change or global warming. And um, uh, the book is called Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise. Uh, now, tonight, he, Mitch is back because he's going to go, I don't know, one step further, but uh, sort of adding uh, more information to this fascinating area of study, the science of cycles. He says, not only do cosmic rays affect our climate, they also affect human DNA and even, perhaps, human behavior. Mitch Batros is a scientific journalist who is a highly respected uh, who is highly respected in both the scientific and spiritual communities because of his unique ability to bridge the gap between modern science and ancient text. And again, uh, the website is scienceofcycles.com. Mitch, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine, Richard. Glad to be with you. Just uh, for those who didn't hear your last appearance on uh, on the program or who may have missed our conversation on Coast to Coast uh, a while back... What, what are cosmic rays? Uh, they're charged particles of uh, protons, ions, and uh, when uh, and nuclei when they when they connect, um, that is what causes the charge. And there's so much new information about uh, galactic cosmic rays right now because of the instruments that we have in space. We wouldn't have known this, you know, five years ago, even two years ago. Uh, we're learning so much more about it and how it is playing an integral part, not only to our galaxy, but our solar system, the sun, of course, and our Earth. Um, and it actually is going to be or is related to this uh, tomorrow's uh, full solar eclipse. Uh, in fact, uh, NASA, on NASA TV, they've been putting out quite a bit of data specific to cosmic rays. Um, they have ground-based instruments, of course. Um, they have uh, uh, space balloons and, of course, the ISS, the uh, International uh, 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 Space Station. Thank you. <laughs> and the, the, the data that they're receiving is, is showing that it's an integral part of what we now call space weather. Interesting. So... It affects the climate, you say, that uh, this is responsible for the, the uh, Earth's um, the climate change or global warming, not a man burning carbon dioxide or, or man burning fossil fuels producing carbon dioxide. Uh, but, but you go further and you say that, that uh, these same cosmic rays can act upon human DNA. How do they do that? I don't know. exactly. No one knows exactly how specifically to DNA – that is a, a, a brand new study to really go to that level of integral part. It's incredible. We have known for about a decade now how it affects the brain and human behavior. Uh, there's, there's one uh, mechanism that's being widely used. It was approved in 2008 uh, by the, uh, 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 F the uh, FDA. Uh, it's it's a, a mechanism that uses magnetic coils, and you place it on, on uh, the skull. And depending on what ailment or what you're treating, mostly it has to do with various mental health disorders, but it's also used for things like Parkinson's uh, or other assorted brain injuries, uh, such as concussions and what, what occurs in, in wartime. Um, they know for a fact that uh, a charged particles, uh, the, the, a magnetic field does in fact 
this is this is not hypothetical. This this has been, like I said, over a decade worth of study. Papers have been uh, uh, processed on this several times by all leading authorities. Uh, I remember back when it first came out, it was it was fascinating, cutting edge news. The reason I was attuned to that is because I actually uh, studied acupuncture, and acupuncture is a similar type of thing because we're dealing with meridians uh, and we're dealing with the body's magnetic field. And what acupuncture is all about is simply manipulating particular meridians, what we call meridians or energy points. And depending on what the body needs, uh, uh, the same being used with with uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, depending on what the body needs, you either, it's either an add or a subtraction. The the whole mechanism is is to strive for balance. Now that's a 10,000 year old study from China. Right. So do, do cosmic rays affect all people the same way? No. No, that's exactly what, what, what I'm addressing. There have been people um, that, like even right now, during, during this, this phase, this process of, of the full solar eclipse, uh, some people are feeling energetic. They're, they're, they're focused. They're having a, a high energy. They're really, you know, moving along great. Other people, it's just the opposite. The, the, speaking in polarities, depression, low energy, fatigue, fear, anxiety. Um, so it, it, it does affect people differently. Why? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I know it's a fact that it does. Now, you might have noticed in one of my articles that I published uh, in the last two or three weeks that related to the solar eclipse, in particular, full solar eclipse, is how the charged particles does play a, a strong influence, of course, in, in behavior, in addition, of course, to the Earth changes. We'll get into that later, I'm sure. But uh, look what's happened. Uh, we've got Korea. Uh, we've got uh, Trump doing his trip with the, with the you know, skinheads and Nazis and all, all that stuff. And I, I specifically use the words civil disobedience or civil disturbance. And that's exactly what's happening. So you're saying that, that what's happening right now, uh, this strife domestically in the United States between right and left and uh, so forth, this is attributable to cosmic rays in part? I would part, have to classify this as conjecture, okay. Richard. I, I need to – because I am so attached to the science field and have been through peer reviews, um, it, it's a torturous event. Uh, so I, I, I do need to clarify this particular area. What I'm saying now, it, it, it leans more c- towards conjecture, hypothetical. However, however, history and patterns, which is what I study, cycles, that's why I have yes. the website Science of Cycles, is that um, there is a history and a pattern of when world wars have broken out, when there's been civil unrest, civil disobedience, and it does correlate with periods uh, of, of, of cos- uh, cosmic or celestial events. Interesting. Can you it, plot, it, can you predict, for example, when the Earth is going to, I mean, does it happen at regular intervals that can be plotted, for example, these blasts of cosmic rays? Um, well, yes and no. It's, it's like weather. It's really a lot like our, our space weather, like Earth weather. Um, we can predict when a stor- stormy weather that the potential, we do it in percentages. 
there's a there's a, a moderate chance of thunderstorms coming or a low chance or 40 percent chance that kind of thing so it's really very much to the level of that however when it comes to celestial events we know what happens when there's a full solar event basically two things one one is directly related to cosmic rays and that has to do with what they're now calling gravitational waves factual data now gravitational waves is not a new science it's 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 been studied since 1973 however again with the instruments we have today we're at a whole new level of understanding this phenomena so just if you if, if you can visualize sound waves uh, or, or a ship going through the ocean and how it splits the water and the waves go out that's exactly what happens and so that does in fact create a disturbance in our upper atmosphere we have shifting uh, uh, ocean currents, shifting jet stream, and that is the, that's the makeup uh, uh, in part for these uh, earth-changing events, such as her, a, a tropical storm that turns into a hurricane. If a volcano has been kind of acting up, it escalates. If there are air, vulnerable areas of earthquake activity, there's a good chance we're going to see very high, very high earthquake. In, it could happen while we're on the air. We're definitely in the window. I, okay. I predicted it to happen, which I almost never do in my 25-year career. This is like maybe the second time in 25 years that I've let, gone public. Let me ask you quickly, Mitch, because we're almost out of time. But if there are cosmic rays that can have sort of a negative impact on human behavior, witness the strife that's going on right now, are there also cosmic rays uh, that could lift human consciousness? Yes, yes. Um, it, 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 I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I don't know how much time we have, but... We have uh, about just, a minute, actually. Just to leave on this note, that, uh, uh, you know, chemistry is chemistry. Charged particles are charged particles. Uh, it's there and it's not fate that we actually do have an influence that there can be a movement Uh, there is such a thing as critical mass but often it doesn't take the the, the actual percentage in other words 51% to to call it critical mass it can be a lower percentage that creates a, 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 a wave of consciousness if you will um, that that certainly can shift, um, and maybe we're witnessing that right now with the, the Trump thing and and and, and you know the the, the, the strike the the Korea thing. Um, I don't see it as doom and gloom. I think we have an influence here. All right, well, I, I have to leave it on that point, Mitch. But I hope we can ride that wave and get ourselves out of this uh, <clears throat> mess, because it seems to me we're teetering on the brink. Mitch Batros, <clears throat> and uh, the, the book is Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, the science, or scienceofcycles.com, the web- website. We'll have to have Mitch back on again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, when we come back, open lines. Stay with us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft... 
that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, here in Toronto. AM 740, 96.7 FM. Hi to uh, those of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Those of you catching us on the podcast on iTunes, uh, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, TalkZone.com. Those of you streaming us live on YouTube. And uh, don't forget the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, Hit that subscribe button. Get your friends. Tell your friends about it. Get them to hit the subscribe button. Where We want to reach 10,000 subs sometime by the end of the year. We've got quite a ways to go. Uh, those of you who take the show with you on your mobile device uh, with the uh, Zoomer Radio and Conspiracy Show apps, which are both fantastic apps, and um, they're both free downloads. However and wherever you are listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Open lines now until the bottom of the hour. Uh, let me give you the numbers right away. In the uh, greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. 1-866-740-4740. If you'd like to talk about uh, the big celestial event, which is mere hours away, would love to do that. Where are you going to be for the uh, the total eclipse? Uh, now, it's uh, on the West Coast. I think it's going to start around... Um, 10, 10 a.m., something like that, just after 10. Uh, now, depending on where you are, you'll either see the... You've got to be in this narrow band, what they're calling the path of totality, which is stretching across North America, and it really starts uh, up in Oregon, so south of Vancouver. So if you're in Vancouver, you're not going to get the 100% total eclipse. Um, maybe you'll get 80%, I don't know, but uh, it stretches in a ribbon, uh, this narrow band across the United States from Oregon, ending up in, uh, I guess, South Carolina. And um, in that band, you're going to get 100%. And I feel bad, in in a way, for a lot of these small towns and communities within that path of totality because there are just going to be hordes and hordes of people descending on these little towns. Um, The other thing we should point out, um, Ian just told me that Mitch Batros, who joined us previously, uh, just called in to remind people and again, you can't repeat this enough. You know, be careful uh, with the, um, you know, the temptation obviously is to try and, you know, find a way to get a glimpse of this total eclipse. And there are outlets selling these eclipse glasses. Just make darn sure that these glasses that you have are reliable and that they're safe. All right? We don't want anyone damaging their, uh, their, their retinas permanently. It's permanent, Right? Don't mess around with that. So if you want to talk about the eclipse, where are you going to, uh, to be watching the eclipse? Uh, perhaps you have some, uh, some tips on how to safely view the eclipse or capture an image with a camera. Uh, pe- uh, there are you know, certain filters that you can tape over the lens on your iPhone or your, or your Android to take a picture. Uh, so we can talk about that. Uh, maybe you want to uh, talk about Planet X. Rather chilling, rather chilling prediction coming from uh, Marshall Masters. Uh, that uh, um, our sun's twin nemesis is heading this way on its 3,600 elliptical orbit. It's swinging around into our galactic neighborhood again, dragging with it uh, a mini constellation, uh, which is going to cause some catastrophic events 
he says, on earth, he said you can bank on it before the end of 2017. Christian numerologist uh, David Mead said it's going to be September the 23rd. Not exactly sure how he arrived at that number. Uh, If you want to talk about Planet X, are you a believer? Do you believe in uh, Nibiru, Planet X, swinging by our planet every 3,600 years? It was responsible for the flood, according to uh, that theory. And it's coming by again. Uh, we uh, We can go just about anywhere you want to take this. If you have ideas on how we can heal America. This is something I discussed Friday night on Coast to Coast, uh, where I I think it's time for all of us to do some re- deep reflecting. And there's plenty of blame to pass around for what's going on in the United States, but it's not just in the United States. There is a coarsening of society up here in Canada as well. We have forgotten how to talk to each other. The um, Politics is very divided, not just in the United States. It's happening here in Canada. It is happening around the world. And um, I have, you know, upon some reflection, I recognize I have allowed politics to take up too much space in my emotional life, and many of us have done that, or many of us are guilty of that. Uh, So one side likes to bait the other. I have been guilty of that. Uh, On social media, on the show, I've also been on the receiving end, you know, because I'm a conservative uh, you know, being uh, many, many conservatives have been labeled this and they've been labeled that. Uh, the president has been labeled this. He's been labeled that. The president failed. Uh, he had an opportunity to quickly help uh, heal and unite the country by condemning these horrible, atrocious uh, subhumans, white supremacists and Nazis and, Kla- and Klansmen and calling them out. Um, so he needs to really get his act together in that regard. So if you have ideas, if you have some positive ideas to bring to the table on how we can go about healing this, what started off as a rift, I guess that rift's always been there, but in in the last two weeks, it seems now to be a chasm. How do we bridge it? 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Just a reminder, scheduled at the bottom of the hour, uh, John Geddes, former SAS warrant officer, uh, sniper specialist, and uh, also served on medic patrol, worked alongside uh, U.S. Uh, Delta Force. Uh, it's called Be a Hero, the Essential Guide to Active Shooter Incidents, essentially a how-to guide on how to survive a terrorist attack. All right, uh, <clears throat> let us go to the uh, the phones, and we begin. Uh, let's see here. Let me just move this little screen over so I can see. There we go. Scott is in Minnesota. Hey, Scott, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi. Hi there. Kind of warm, kind of warm right now. It's warm in Minnesota, is it? Yeah, and muggy. So I just wanted to say, you know, I get you guys uh, quite often here. Uh, if you look at a map of Minnesota, you'll see there's kind of like a V in the bottom portion of the state. Right. Mankato's at the very bottom of that V. Mankato. Minnesota River. Mankato. I remember the name of that town from Little House on the Prairie. Okay. <laughs> when Charles yeah. Ingalls needed to go to town for supplies and they didn't have it in town, he would go to Mankato. Well, with a horse and buggy, that's about a week. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. With a horse and buggy. Yeah. All right. So you, you're pulling us in. How do you listen to the show? On, on terrestrial radio, AM 740, or on the online? How do you listen, Scott? AM, 7, 
AM740 radio. That's good to know that you can pull it in. Well, I often say, you know, from Maine to Minnesota and south of the Carolinas, so you're a testament to that. Yeah, during the daytime, there's a rock and roll station that shares uh, your number. That's right. And, At night, uh, we get to power up. That's because we have a clear channel <laughs> license. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be watching a uh, partial solar eclipse here in town. All right. So you're not in the and, path of totality. You're outside. No, Minnesota's not. No. So you're going to get what? Maybe 70% eclipse? 70, 80%, something like that. Still, that's going to be impressive. Yeah. One of my birthdays back in the 60s, uh, we had a total eclipse. I think I was about eight at that time. Yes. I remember one in the early 70s. Uh, I was on my way to a birthday party around the block, and I remember just, you know, I, I had the fear of the Lord put in me that, you know, don't look at the sun, don't look at the sun. And so I just remember walking around the block, just keeping my eyes glued to the ground. I was terrified. I was terrified. <laughs> I like the way that uh, you guys in Canada have your political systems. In the United States, we only have two basic parties, the Democrats and Republicans. And if I can remember right, you guys have, what, five? Well, depending parties? on the cycle, right now in the, in the House of uh, Commons, federally anyway, we have a conservative party, we have a liberal party, we have a more left-leaning party called the New Democratic Party, uh, and then we have this, it's kind of a regional party that's Quebec only, and it's the, it's the uh, Bloc Québécois. So we have four in the House of Commons, and then occasionally you have some sitting as an independent we used to have out west, we used to have the Social Credit Party, um, but they haven't been uh, heard from in quite a while. So we have four. Uh-huh. But at least you got a little bit more give and take up there than we do down here. Well, here's the problem, because, you know, within the conservative, let's say within the Republican Party, you have, you know, you've got the Freedom Caucus, and you've got the more moderates, and then you've got, you know, the more libertarian wing. So... It's not just it's it's a big tent and it's you know and, and there's there's gradation there and even within the Democratic Party of course you have the Southern Democrats which tend to be more conservative and then you've got you've got the more now you've got the Elizabeth Warrens and and you've got a, 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 you know this is sort of unprecedented how left leaning certain portions of the Democratic Party are so I you know I would say within those two parties it's a pretty wide spectrum really and the other thing is up here we have such party discipline that parties tend to vote as a block on everything. So it's very rigid. I don't like that aspect of the parliamentary system. In the United States, at least, you, you, you know, you've got Republicans who are voting with, with Democrats on some issues and not on others. So party discipline up here is a little too rigid, I think. Okay. Well, Scott, great to hear from you. Be safe. Play safe tomorrow. Enjoy the eclipse. Prayer helps. You know, you talk about changing things. Yes. And uh, we can only change ourselves, and prayer helps change other people. Absolutely. Scott, I'm a big believer in that. Thank you. All right. Let's say hello to our good uh, media friend, media scientist friend, Nelson Thal, checking in from Toronto. Hey, Nelson, how are you? Good morning, buddy. Good morning, Rich. Uh, it's uh, been fun watching. Uh, we like to summarize as we've been going on over these many years, make sure events don't get by without leaving some breadcrumbs that we weren't fooled, right? All right. What's on your mind? 
Well, I think this re- this whole thing that's going on in the United States is just, of course, media scientists haven't been fooled. This is just another program media event of the Rockefeller, Clinton, Bush, Klansman. Um, they wrote it up, by the way. The Clintons exposed this in a blueprint when he was the president. Uh, we talked about it. It was called the, a report done by the White House communication branch. It's called the Communication Stream of Conspiracy Commerce. Right, I remember that, and it's yes. To talk about how they can rent a movie. Movement, rent a whole movement. Make, it's a top-down operation, appearing to look as if it's bottom-up grassroots, which it's not. Well, it is interesting. Earlier, we had Megan Barth on, and she was talking about how the Virginia governor, Governor McAuliffe, had called um, a state of emergency even before the the protest began. Uh, and the then we had. Re- gave you, yeah, the guys who gave us weapons of mass destruction lie, and the lie about the babies being thrown on the hospital floor in Kuwait. Remember that? Yes, yes. Come on, it, when when are people going to realize that the guys who've been lying to us for years, magic bullet theory and all the other stuff, they're just putting. They've got more money. Rockefeller and Soros write a check. If they don't, then there's no damaged statues this week, Rich. Well, it is interesting when you when you take a look at. At what McAuliffe did, Governor McAuliffe, calling for a state of emergency before the protest. And then we had reports from the ACLU and others, not you know necessarily friendly to conservatives, reporting that it appeared as if the police were herding the two groups together. And then they yeah. backed off. Yeah. So they were yeah. expecting fireworks. It's almost like they wanted fireworks. It's a real silent With very tragic being, results. It's a silent minority, though, made to look as if it's a big, big, big group. Well, that's right. Group. Let's face it. It's, these... not, it's just a small little minority group that's been, that Rockefeller, Soros, and the gang are writing a big check to turn into a rent-a-movement, rent-a-TV show, rent-the-media. We own the media. Use it. It's just a big fake. Well, the well, the um, you know the scum, the, the scum that killed. are the Don't the white. Wrong. I'm not saying the girl didn't get killed. Right. That's terrible. That's horrendous. So hearts go out to them. But put that aside. This is just a programmed event, rent a movement, et cetera, et cetera. I uh, I think there's some uh, absolutely some truth to that, Nelson. It breaks my heart to say that uh, that um, both sides, uh, both conservatives and liberals, we are being used as bloody battering rams. Uh, and, um, you know, who's in control uh, is sort of just beyond our grasp. Nelson Thal, media scientist. Let me point out, Nelson is, of course, a uh, devotee of uh, communications legend Marshall McLuhan, and Nelson's website is McLuhanTactics.com, McLuhanTactics.com. All right, we'll get back to your uh, questions, comments on our open line segment. Again, 416-360-0740. And toll-free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at one 866 740 740 
Welcome back. Ian is here. Albert is here. Ryan is away. I am here. We're happy that you're here with us. Just a reminder again, I just want to uh, remind you about uh, the fact that we, uh, most Sundays anyway, we stream live on YouTube and the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are looking to uh, to get those subscriptions up to uh, 10,000. 10,000 subs we're looking sometime in 2017. I don't know. It's, it now seems like a bit of a tall order. We are around, I think, just around 5,600, 5,600. Not bad. We can do better. And I need your help. We need to get these uh, subs uh, up to around that 10,000. And um, uh, as always, we... Uh, we encourage you to visit the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. And that's kind of a, a catch-all website for all of my various projects. But there is a radio page, and you can find The Conspiracy Show there. And uh, all of the program information you need about this week's show is there, including the guest and links to their websites and names of their books uh, and, and, um, and so forth. There's also an affiliates page where you can find out where this show plays near you. All right, let's go back uh, to the phones, and uh, this time we're going to Hamilton, Hamilton, Ontario, I'm assuming, and uh, Les is joining us. Les, good morning. Yes, hello. Hi there. Yes, um, I just wanted to tell you that, um, oops, we've got an echo here. Um, uh, You did a story about um, the treasure of the... um, uh, temple of Jerusalem. Uh, the second temple. Uh, we had uh, Rabbi Harry Moskov on uh, last week. I had him earlier on Coast to Coast, and he is ready to, he believes he knows uh, uh, the location, um, sort of a hidden cave in Jerusalem uh, that um, that contains artifacts, priceless, no doubt, artifacts from the second temple of uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, yes, I believe I know where there may be another catch. It's uh, uh, in the Royal Ontario Museum. Ah. It's not recognized as such, but um, I was struck by the uh, similarity of the these bronze vessels to the ones that were found in the Cave of Letters. Interesting. I mean, these would date back to the Second Temple or Solomon's Temple? Uh, well, they, they came from the third temple, okay, and they would have been hidden sometime around 70 A.D. You mean the second temple? There has we're waiting for the third temple, <laughs> the second temple. Oh, oh yes, uh, Herod's temple. Right. Um, Interesting. So you're saying that they be, that they are likely from the second temple, but they are not being recognized as such. Yes. Um, the problem is, is that. Um, the catch that was found in the, in the cave of letters is not re- being recognized as being from the temple, even though there's compelling evidence that they are actually item 25 from the co- the copper scrolls. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, a document, there was a documentary, uh, a Nova documentary, titled Ancient Refuge in the Holy Land. Uh, okay, you'll, you'll find... Um, transcript of it on their website, and uh, I had seen that um, documentary, and when I was at the Royal Ontario Museum uh, about a year or two after that, I was uh, I couldn't help but be struck by this catch that was on display there that um, it said it was found um, buried in Jerusalem. 
Hmm, interesting. You know what I'm going to do, Les, is uh, next time I'm in communication with Rabbi Mount Moskov, Harry Moskov, I'm going to ask him about that. And because uh, his family uh, lives not too far from here where I'm sitting, and um, he comes to visit them quite often. When he's not in Israel, I believe he's in the area. So I'm going to ask him about that. And um, he, I'm wondering if he's aware of that. That's fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that information, Les. Um, thank you. I recommend you go down there yourself. I don't know if it's still on display or not, but you could ask museum staff about it. Right. I will do that. Thank you. I, I'm overdue for a visit with uh, my little guys to the uh, Royal Ontario Museum. All right, let's say hi to uh, Scott in Massachusetts. Hello, Scott. Welcome. Good, good morning, sir. Uh, good morning. I come from America, Massachusetts in particular, and What's going on in America with the statues removed, Confederate flags, that's just a front, a phony front. What's really going on is George Soros is the evil puppet master who is behind all of this. Uh, he is an international Jewish communist and international banker and fifth columnist. He's behind the Occupy Wall Street movement. Well, I, it's not, I don't think it's necessary to identify his, his, you know, his ethnicity. That doesn't bear any... Um, you know, bear any importance in this discussion except for the fact that, he, you know, on 60 Minutes, uh, he was asked about, you know, whether or not he participated in betraying uh, the Jews there in Hungary be- during the, uh, the Nazi occupation because as a teenager, um, this, this much we do know that he, um, he um, was able to hide his his um, identity by pretending to be a Christian. And, um, but there is some suggestion that he participated in helping the Nazis take property from Hungarian Jews. Uh, and he's asked this question directly. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, so George Soros, his name comes up a lot. He, um, his Open Democracy Organization, he has been it's been suggested that he has been behind a lot of these, uh, what they call the color, color revolutions in the Middle yeah, East by yeah. funding them. Yes, he does. He's got billions. He throws it around. He uh, was thrown out of Russia by Vladimir Putin for manipulating the ruble, and he made billions more by manipulating the English pound. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, is that in America today, we, America has a Zionist-occupied government, meaning the Jews do control... No, okay, now you're gone, okay? No, I'm not going to allow that nonsense to stand on this air, Okay. I'm not going to allow it. All right, Scott, you're not welcome on the program if you're going to come to the fore with that nonsense. All right, let's say hi. Is it Walk in London, Ontario? Walk? No, I'm sorry. Is that the correct name, Walk or Walker? Who do we have here? Hello. Hi there. Your first name? Walter, by the way. Walter, I'm sorry. Hi, Walter. I could change it to Walker. Yes, I was uh, also thinking about the statue uh, situation with Cornwall in uh, Canada and Robert E. Lee. Interesting. And, uh, how all these groups uh, feel sorry for the suffering of their ancestors, you know. And I just recently found out I was of uh, Irish descent. Well, the Irish were enslaved. I mean, they were treated pretty much as slaves when they came to America. Yes, they've been reflecting on the potato famine, all the suffering uh, yes. going on with the potato famine and all that. And uh, I found recently when I go into grocery stores, I'm kind of depressed and I see the potatoes there. You know, that's so true. Uh, f- um, we found, um, my wife was out shopping, a 50-pound bag of potatoes, and it was selling for, I think it was around $10. 50 pounds wow. for $10. You're right. I, I pity the, the poor potato farmer. Yes, well, it reminds me of all the suffering of my ancestors, and I wonder if we could ban potatoes. 
Well, you know, I know you're being facetious, you're being facetious, but you're making a good point, and that is uh, that here's here's the the fact: in the United States, North America, uh, they didn't invent slavery, but they ended it, uh, and yet today there are there are millions and millions of people who are slaves living in different parts of the world. So slavery continues. My wife is of Greek heritage. Her people were enslaved by the Turks uh, for 400 years. Uh, brutal, brutal occupation in Greece uh, where they were forced uh, to, uh, to learn, you know, they couldn't speak the Greek language. Uh, their churches were forced underground. Um, beheadings, torture, you know, you, you name it. The Armenians, of course, uh, and that horrible thing where, you know, just slaughtered. So every group at one point, you, talk, you look at, um, you know, aboriginals in, in Canada, of course, certain groups treated absolutely uh, horrible, and we know that, we recognize it, we must be sensitive to it. But then you had, for example, uh, warring factions within the aboriginal um, nations. You had the Haida, who were a marauding, rampaging group who took slaves. So the, the history of the world is the history of occupied, defeated peoples. Um, you know, no nationality has been, uh, has escaped slavery at some point. The Slavs, of course, uh, where did they get that name in, in, in Eastern Europe, the Slavic people, from the fact that they were slaves. Okay. That doesn't mean that we, 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 we shouldn't be and we must be sensitive to the plight of, of, of African Americans. And, and uh, yes, they are still feeling the um, the ravages of, of slavery, but they are also they've also been uh, victimized by horrible government policy. In many cases, well-meaning, the creation of this uh, you know a welfare state under Lyndon Johnson damaged and tore families apart, and was and and uh, th- th- those communities are still feeling the effects of that. Where we need to move beyond what happened hundreds of years ago. Well, we. We need to move beyond it, but we also need to be open to talk about it when, when the need arises. But that's the key. It's, we need to sit down and talk about it. If, for example, somebody says that you know, the, the presence of this statue uh, is, you know, is, is, is hurtful to me, or it's, we need to be open to at least talk about it rather than you know, we have these now. We have these rampaging, marauding mobs uh, tearing down defacing public property, and then we have the police standing by and saying, well, we'll just let them work it out and, and uh, work it out of their system. That's bad policy. Bad policy. There's a problem now, and it was a kind of a minuscule thing in the first place to worry about statues or historical statues that have uh, represented historical facts that are beyond our control. Well, my, it was my brother-in-law who actually I thought had a great idea. He mentioned it to me, and that is a possible solution. If you have a, a, a statue that's, that, that points back to the, you know, the Civil War era, um, wh- why not, right next to that statue, you put an even bigger statue of Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King Jr. or um, Harriet Tubman or you know, John Brown or any of, the, you know, the, any of these uh, um, fig- historical figures? So that both parts are represented, but the you know the civil rights uh, leaders and so forth, their statues loom even larger, and that that shows the whole the the history, right, and the evolution of the United States. Yes, like they say, teachable moment. One hundred percent. Our prime minister, he jumps on a lot of these issues. I think we could get him to uh, apologize to me for the potato famine and all the Irish Canadians. 
and perhaps we get some compensation from Ottawa. <laughs> well, Walter, well, the Irish you are being facetious, but you're making a, 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 um, a an, an important uh, point, and I thank you well, for thank it. Thank you. All right, thank, thank you. you, thank you, Walter. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Four one six three six zero. 0740, toll-free from out of town, one 866 Listen, if you're willing to come to the table with some positive ideas about how to heal America, then I'm all ears. If you want to come on here and spread hate, forget it, all right? It's not going to happen. I won't allow it. It's ugly. We need to find a way to move back from the brink. Both sides. We need to stop painting each other with these brushes of you're this and you're that and you're a Nazi and you're a communist and you're... That's going to take us over the edge. Are we going to... Is the United States seriously going to go down this path and refight the Civil War? I think Nelson Thal is onto something when he says there are forces out there that are using the right and the left as bat- bloody battering rams. They want this to happen. It's up to us to make sure that it doesn't. Now, we have been uh, trying to reach out uh, to uh, John Geddes, author of Be a Hero, The Essential Guide to Active Shooter Incidents, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. There's a big time difference. He's over in England. Um, I'm wondering, just off the top of my head, what do you think? What if we were, I don't know if he's still available what if we were to reach back to, what do you think about this idea, Albert? Marshall Masters, get him back on here, and let's talk a little bit more about Planet X. I mean, he dropped a bombshell. I think we need to flesh that out a little bit. Do you think he'd be good for that? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we do that? Can you uh, reach out to him? All right, we'll do that. And uh, we can also take some calls in the meantime as well. We'll continue the open line segment, and uh, we'll reach out to uh, Marshall Masters and continue to talk about Planet X. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. All right, welcome back. We have uh, reached out to uh, Marshall Masters, uh, the uh, former CNN science feature writer-producer, marshallmasters.com. He was on earlier talking about uh, Planet X, uh, and we just had a short time with him, but I wanted to bring him back, if we can, for the last uh, dur- well, the duration of the uh, what remains of the program to um, uh, perhaps take some calls, uh, because let's face it, that's uh, pretty <laughs> alarming stuff to suggest that this um, son's twin nemesis is uh, going to swing by the Earth sometime before the end of the year, dragging with it all these, well, the uh, a small constellation. It's going to have potentially catastrophic uh, consequences. So um, would love to uh, to revisit that topic. Well, I, I won't say love. I think it necessitates we re- revisit that topic. And uh, perhaps you have uh, questions and comments for, uh, for Marshall. Uh, would also just love to hear your take on Planet X and whether you subscribe to this idea that there is these celestial bodies uh, floating out there and that they are heading our way and that Zechariah Sitchin, who, who wrote about this back in uh, around 1976, 
this information after uh, translating these uh, cuneiform tablets from the uh, ancient Sumerian um, that identified this planet Nibiru. And uh, one of, I guess, three planets dragged behind Nemesis. Again, this elliptical orbit lasting 3,600 years. Uh, and the last time they swung by, I guess, was... Um, um, would that take us to the, the, age, the time of the flood, perhaps? Was responsible for the flood? So Marshall Masters is saying that it's coming by again. And uh, before 2017 is over... And we will see coastal flooding. We will see earthquakes. We will see major, major earth changes. 416-360-0740. So if you'd like to uh, talk about Planet X, I would love your take on Planet X. Toll free from out of town, one 740 Also, if you'd like to talk about the eclipse tomorrow. Well, it's actually later today, right? It's um, just hours away. Are you planning to uh, be or have you arrived in the uh, what they're calling the path of totality? I love that that uh, term. The path of totality. It sounds like the, the name of a, of a heavy metal uh, uh, album or something. <laughs> the path of totality. Are you walking the path of totality? But this is the, the narrow band um, that uh, stretches from Oregon in the northwest all the way south to either South Carolina or Florida. And within that narrow band... For those precious three minutes, you will get the uh, the Lollapalooza eclipse. You get the 100%. And if you're outside that band, depending on the distance, you'll get a partial eclipse to varying degrees. So, for example, here in Toronto, I believe it's going to be, what, around 70%? Still pretty impressive. But again, I caution you. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to sound like the... Um, you know, the hovering parent. But please, please, take any and all precautions. And if you, if you bought a pair of those um, eclipse glasses, make sure, make sure that uh, they, they will pr- they'll protect you, that they will offer the protection as advertised. Don't take any chances with your eyes. All right, I am, uh, with some hesitation, <laughs> I'm going to try. Now, I'm, Keith in Rochester, I'm going to ask you to behave yourself. Let's have a civil discussion, please. Are you there, Keith? Yes, uh, I'm going to take you at your word, sir, that we can talk, and I'm going to be very blunt. I called in at one minute to midnight, and I think you've been dodging me because you saw on your screen that... uh... I'm taking your call, Keith. If that's the way you're going to begin, then just let's forget it. I'm asking for civil discourse and some positive ideas, and and that's that's where we're going to go with this. If you don't want to play along, then you find another another platform. Uh, I want to talk like a mature adult. Can you, I talk about the origins of racism? Well, let me, let, me again, let me again lay the ground rules here, because what I am trying to do is walk us back. We are living on the precipice here, Keith, and I don't want, I don't want to allow anything that's going to put— this is, we are living in extraordinary times that requires some delicacy and some brinkmanship, and what I need is an ambassador from either side to come forward— with some positive ideas on how we're going to get ourselves out from this. If you have something uh, that fits that bill, then I'm all ears. If you want to spew uh, rancor or hate, uh, then I'm not interested. Well, I only represent myself. I keep in Rochester. I'm an American citizen. I speak only for me. 
Uh, I want to ask pointedly, and hopefully you won't hang up, we have two families in Kissimmee, Florida. Their husbands and fathers, two police officers, are now deceased. We had two other officers shot and wounded in Jacksonville, Florida, and two state troopers wounded in Pennsylvania. It was a horrible weekend for, 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 the, men, for the men and women in blue, to be sure. I want to ask plaintively of everyone, what are we going to do about this? Now, I don't see how uh, this is racist. Uh, I could go into details of Kissimmee, and then you probably will cut me off. But I want to know, when you say for yourself, you Richard Serrett, let's talk honestly and openly, and with someone like me, maybe you think I have an axe to grind, but I don't think I do. Well, the, as far as I can tell, Keith, the, the, uh, the events with these police officers, in one case, they responded to a call where uh, someone was um, you know, threatening to commit suicide. Uh, we had another event where... It was a um, an individual with a criminal record who was uh, known to police. I mean, we're talking about uh, happenstance here. This was not an orchestrated attack on on police officers. Uh, you know, as part of there's no connection is what I'm saying to the recent events uh, in Charlottesville. The, the main stumbling block, if you want to go to a Charlottesville in our country, Canada will have to speak for itself. Everyone knows that the big stumbling block since colonial times has always been race in capital black letters. So before you hang up on me, am I allowed to say that the two officers in Kissimmee were white and their murderer is an avowed black nationalist? Is that racist on my part for me to call into a show based in Toronto, Canada? Am I looked upon now in these days uh, that I, Keith, an American, am racist for even bringing up that the officers were white and their murderer an avowed black national. Well, if that's the case, if that's true, and he was targeting them simply because they were police and because they were white, then no, that's certainly fair. That's fair comment, and that's that is a concern. But it speaks again to where we're at right now, particularly in the United States, with this divisiveness. And do we want to go back and start, uh, you know, f- fighting a civil war again? And this time, the civil war isn't going to be north versus south. It's going to be city block by city block because the divisiveness is as so set in, even between families, house against, you know, household against household. It's that's where we're at. Uh, so the question is, how do we get ourselves out of it? Keith, thank you for that. Uh, you know, I'm fine with what you said. All right. Have a good evening. All right. Bye. You too. I just I want people to understand, though, the sensitivity now that we need to bring to this situation when we're talking about these things. We're on the precipice. We need to be sensitive. Yes, we need to speak the truth, but we need to be sensitive. When we come back, uh, Marshall Masters, God bless him, was good enough to uh, pop back in, and we'll, uh, we'll talk some more about Planet X. I don't want to call this a diversion, a much-needed diversion, because we're talking potential cataclysm, folks, but uh, uh, we will discuss on the other side. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. From Zoomer Radio, you're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Well, we are uh, so delighted. Uh, what a kind gentleman. Marshall Masters has rejoined us, uh, the uh, author of Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. He was on with us earlier, and um, we've brought him back because this is uh, this is a real bombshell. You know, this potential impending doom and gloom, something wicked this way comes. The idea that uh, the Earth's twin, uh, the the Sun's twin, Nemesis, is going to swing by sometime before the end of 2017, dragging with it uh, a small constellation which includes Planet X or Nibiru, popularized, of course, by author Zechariah Sitchin back in the uh, the 1970s, uh, and that this is going to cause major uh, perturbations. I mean, uh, uh, we're talking pole shift here. We're talking um, uh, earthquakes. Uh, I mean, this... He says we'll survive it, but I wanted to bring him back on and get some more details. So first of all, Marshall, thank you so much for uh, for coming back on. Is Marshall there? There he is. Marshall, thanks right. again for coming back on. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. You're a savvy host. I enjoy working with savvy hosts. Oh, uh, thank you. Very kind of you. So I wanted to uh, just revisit this, and for those just joining us, again, I uh, tried to sort of describe in a nutshell what uh, what Planet X, what it is and what it means. Um, but when you say that it's going to, it will likely cause a pole shift, uh, that doesn't mean that the North Pole suddenly becomes the South Pole and the South Pole becomes the North Pole overnight, does it? Or are we talking more of a geomagnetic shift? Well, we're talking about three different possibilities. There's a magnetic pole shift where the magnetic North Pole flips and we have the North Pole is on in the South and vice versa. Now, that's already starting to take place. Yes. Uh, Magnetic pole is moving, and airports are having to renumber their runways because they're using magnetic headings. That's right. Birds are falling out of the Uh, sky. That's right. And uh, the other two issues about a pole shift are going to be a crustal shift and an axial shift. A crustal shift is that the lithosphere of the planet, the skin of the planet, literally rotates. Now, if it were to flip head over heels, some people suggest, I mean, that would take the planet back to single-cell life. It would be terrible. Right, right. That's a planet killer. That's not going to happen. Let's be clear about that. That's not going to happen. Okay. That's right. Uh, It's more, I agree with that, Dames, uh, about a 10 to 12% shift. What does that mean? It would be, for example, um, a place like uh, Montana near the Canadian border after the shift would have weather more similar to Colorado or northern New Mexico, assuming the shift went in that direction. All right. Then uh, there's going to be the possibility of an axial shift. We're tilted on our axis 23.5 degrees. And if that shifts, that's going to either if it shifts to a smaller amount, then we wind up with two seasons. If it goes to a greater extent, we'll have four seasons, but they're going to be much more extreme with uh, winter and summer. So those are 
the three possibilities. It could be any number of things that's going to happen. But we know the planet's already been through a pole shift once before. That was the deluge account. There are over 150 deluge accounts in the history and folklore of various peoples across the globe. Right. And in the Colburn Bible, there, for example, is the story of Sasuda and Hanok, which uh, is very much in parallel with the story of Noah and the Flood. And um, the thing is that, you know, as the folklore goes, the Ark was built on the side of a hill. It wasn't built in a harbor. And the reason for that is, uh, and then also, by the way, there's always some form of divine or extraterrestrial intervention in this story, in the various folklore, uh, as it is with Noah, as it is with Suda and Hanok in the Colbert Bible. Right. And Gilgamesh. That's right. That's right. And the reason for the ark being built on the side of a hill is if you have a mile-high tsunami and it's smashing inland, once it crosses over land, it starts losing its force because it's crossing dry land, and then it's going to eventually ebb. And the ark was constructed in such a place where when that tsunami came in, it ebbed under the keel of the ark, lifting it off the chocks, and then pulling it back out to sea. And that explains why the ark was built on the side of a, of a hill. All right. Are, are you and, expecting, uh, I mean, is that in the cards also, is a world, like a global deluge? There's, uh, I just published an article uh, that signs 15, the nemesis cloud. And what I'm talking about, the nemesis cloud, because... Uh, the Bible talks above and below the, therm- the firmament, and scientists have discovered vast subterranean oceans on the planet. They're huge. So those could have been part of Noah's flood, but then there's the 40 days and 40 nights. And if scientists take a limited view of saying, well, it's just, you know, there's not enough surface water on the planet to make that happen, then they stand pat. But what I'm saying is that the nemesis dark star would have a cloud of ice around it, no different than the Oort cloud that surrounds our solar system, and that Earth would then pass through the nemesis cloud. That ice would then melt, evaporate in uh-huh. the atmosphere as it descends, Fascinating. then condense back into water, forming rain, and hence you have a deluge. Fascinating. So this is what we're looking at. And the reason why we came to this conclusion is we have been studying what happened after the, the December 21, 2012 date. I mean, people really feel they got led down a rabbit hole and burned on that. But what the Mayans were really doing, good prophecy always has two dates. It has a harbinger date. And it has an event date. The harbinger tells you that you're on the timeline to the event. Right, which was what 2012, the winter solstice was. That's the harbinger date, right? That was the harbinger date. And uh, it was a very specific celestial alignment. This is how the ancients were timing these harbingers. Uh, For example, 
uh, this September 23, uh, there's a lot of buzz on the Internet about the Revelation 12, 1 and 2 prophecy that, you know, many believe would we would then see Nibiru showing up around that time. And, I, you know, you mentioned one other researcher that holds that position. David Mead, yes. And uh, that is a very, again, that's a very unique celestial alignment that actually predates uh, the five books of Moses. So it would be something that once the prophecy was written, it would only happen after the book had been written, not before. So how do you feel about Mead's September 23rd prediction or prognostication? What, what, do, what do you, How do you feel about that? Well, my philosophy on all predictions and uh, is that you should always be mindful of them, but do not live in expectation of them. When you live in expectation of a prophecy, it sets you up for manipulation by disinformationalists. All right. Let's say November comes, December comes, and still no nemesis dragging along Nibiru and these other celestial bodies. Uh, does that mean it's never going to happen? Does that mean that the calculations are off and it could be 2018? Or is it is it without question it's happening sometime in 2017? Well, I mean, I'm routinely publishing uh, wonderful observation photos now where we're picking up objects in the nemesis system. Marshallmasters.com. 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 So uh, what I say to people is this, uh, what we have here is what I call an Amtrak trajectory. Uh, It's like an Amtrak train. You don't know exactly when it's going to pull into the station, but you know it's eventually going to get there. And that's how I see this, because, you know, uh, we're just making the observations, the objects are getting larger, and uh, what I really take most seriously are at altitude, pictures that are people are taking in commercial airliners, because they're, they're really, they have a good horizon, and they're above the chemtrail air. Right. So when will it be visible? When will it be visible to the naked eye in the sky for most of us? You said something earlier about it being the size of the moon at some point. That said, Dames is saying in November it'll be the size of the moon. And I think that is probably likely this year that we're going to see we're going to see Nibiru. Remember, this is a mini constellation. We have a brown dwarf at the core, and it has planets and moons and planetoids orbiting it as well. And so they're going to pop out at us, literally kind of one at a time, as this is arcing around the sun past the point of perihelion, its closest distance to the sun. Well, at that point, how are the, how is NASA, how is the government going to explain this away? At that point, it'll be readily apparent to everyone on the planet that it's coming our way. Well, what you're most likely going to hear is it's not going to hit us, and that'll be a statement of truth. And then they'll say it's just going to be an interesting light show. And when people hear it's not going to hit us, then they're going to switch off, and they're not. That that's it. It'll just be an interesting light show, and that's what it will be initially. Uh, but then things will begin to build. We're going to have more and more incidents of 
uh, extreme solar weather. Uh, we're going to see more fireballs, things like this. That'll make people nervous. About the point where they come back on to the the fake news channels. And here, let me be blunt. I mean, in the 80s, I was... Okay, it's got to be quick. I got to gotta wrap up here, Marshall, so... Okay. So, I mean, what we're going to hear is disinformation. No Don't doubt. Don't worry about it. Go shopping. All right, but we should worry about it. We'll talk about it again. Marshall, thank you again for coming on, and we'll have you on um, more and more if we can. All right, that's it for us. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Albert. Back with a brand new program next week. Hope you're along for the ride. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.